It's really good to be with all of you, especially if you're a guest, maybe with us for the very first time. We're honored by your presence. We've been praying for this time that God would meet you right in the place where you are today. If you weren't here last weekend, first of all, I hope you have an excused absence. Uh, If you missed it, it was Vision Weekend, and it's really, really important that every single one of us listens to that message, if you would please, so you're welcome to grab the podcast off of uh, our iTunes page, or you can go out and get one of those old school CDs off the lobby counter if you'd like to, and just give it a listen if you would. Uh, As we embark on turning Journey into a conglomeration of missional communities, it's just really, really important that we all have that same vision and mission and heart uh, with us as we uh, sort of flesh that out. If you have no idea what in the world a missional community is, be sure that you give that message a listen and I'll unpack it for you in there. And just by way of reminder, uh, we're not, let me say it again, not yet going live with those missional communities. We're just simply not ready. Last weekend was visionary and preparatory, and so our first objective, I'll remind you, is to hire the pastors who are going to lead that effort for us, and just please be on your knees this week praying over that. I have a couple of meetings toward that end, and if you just rally around that by way of prayer, uh, just pray that God's people would join our staff team to lead lead this very critical initiative for us, if you would. Enough about last weekend, let's look ahead now. Uh, Today marks the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, And that isn't the stuff you find in your pants pockets nor in your belly button. It's L-E-N-T. That's L-I-N-T, the kind, you know, that you find in your pockets. And so, and Lent uh, is the 40-day season that leads up to Easter. It starts on Ash Wednesday, which I know some of you participated in this week. Good job getting around that. Starts on Ash Wednesday, leads up to Holy Saturday, the day before Resurrection or Easter Sunday. And these are 40 days that are really devoted to fasting and abstinence and penitence, which are all commemorating Christ's fasting out in the wilderness. If you remember his 40-day journey out in the wilderness, you can read about it in Luke chapter 4. That's exactly what we're embarking on together as a church. And it's our hope that we'll step into uh, a very spiritual Lenten experience this year as a way of preparing our souls for Christ's death on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter weekend. To help us walk that out between now and Palm Sunday, we're going to be in this XT message series. XT or cross-training, call it whichever you'd like. And there's multiple layers to this XT meaning. On one hand, you sort of have the picture of an athlete, like you saw on the screens, preparing for an upcoming challenge or competition. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27 from the Bible. Don't you realize, Paul says, that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but then he's talking to Christians. But we do it, we train, we prepare for an eternal prize. So I run, Paul says, with purpose in every single step. Everything we do as followers of Jesus, it has purpose. Paul says, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to we who follow Jesus, look, athletes, they go out of their way to prepare for challenges that they face. So how much more should we who follow Jesus also prepare ourselves to run the race of faith in Jesus Christ? Paul says, let's go. No passivity about your faith. He says, prepare, prepare, prepare as you walk out this faith in Jesus Christ. That's one layer of the XT deal. Another layer of this concept of XT, it actually comes from Jesus himself. And these are strong Strong words. Some of you are probably very familiar with these words. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. The words of Christ. If any of you, just speaking to any person, if any of you wants to be my follower, if any of you wants to be a Christian, if any of you wants to follow Jesus, you must, Jesus says, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Whoa. Strong words. If you try to hang on to your life, Jesus says, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, what happens? You will save it, Jesus says. So Jesus says, 
Look, life with me, following me, it isn't about walking out some perfect primrose path for the rest of your life here on earth and then just sort of passing on to the splendor of heaven when this life is over, huh? Jesus says, instead, as we follow him, we ought to be, watch this, learning how to die to ourselves. Learning how to die to ourselves. That means we're learning how to choose God's way instead of my way. God's way instead of the normal human responses to things that happen in life and so on. XT, cross-training. Preparing for running the race of faith in Christ. All the while, we're learning how to die to our normal human responses to circumstances, to stuff that happens in us. Why? So that we can, our hearts can, come more and more and more alive to Christ's life inside of us. The life that he died to bring us. We're not just passing time. We're coming more and more and more alive to him every single day. So that's where we're headed for the next six weeks together. And I was having some interaction with the Lord around this this week, and I was thinking with him about what he wants to accomplish in the life of us as a church to prepare us for Easter weekend. And he gave me this really strong sense that if we'll together work hard, I mean like engage in this with some intensity, if we die to ourselves, if we'll work on coming more and more and more alive to God with fervor, with intensity through these themes we're going to be talking about and engaging in. If we'll do all of that between now and Easter weekend, he gave me the sense that our celebration on Easter weekend in this room will absolutely be explosive to him. Like we'll show up in here and we'll blow the roof off of this place because of every single thing that God's done in our hearts and lives in our community over the course of these six weeks. And it's going to be a powerful season, not just on Easter, but in between now and then. So engage, lock in with some intensity, with some fervor, and let's prepare our souls for this amazing thing that God did and is doing and is going to continue to do inside of us and in this world. We're going to kick this thing off talking about forgiveness, forgiveness today. Richard Foster, he put it really, really well, and I hold Richard Foster in very high regard He said this, at the very heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. That's at the very heart of God, to give and to forgive. Because of this, he, that's God, he set into motion this entire redemptive process that culminated in the cross and was confirmed in the resurrection. And so most people, they sort of have this explanation of what Jesus did on the cross that goes something like this. People, that's us, we were so bad and so mean, God was so angry with us that he couldn't forgive us unless, capital S, somebody big enough could take the rap for the whole lot of us, right? That's how lots of people's explanation of God's redemption, salvation thing goes. But that's not the whole picture, is it? Because you see, it wasn't anger that compelled Jesus to the cross. What was it? It was love, wasn't it? It was love every single step along the way. And Jesus' death on the cross on Good Friday came as the result of God's unceasing desire to forgive. Not his reluctance to forgive. His desire to forgive, to forgive, to forgive every single one of us. And that's who God is. God unceasingly desires to forgive. And so we're his grateful recipients of that forgiveness. We receive it every single day, right? He forgives us of our stuff, past, present, future. It's all forgiven. That's God. And yet how many of us who call ourselves God's people, God's children, Christ followers, Christians, and so how many of us sitting right here in this room today are living the very opposite way of God, the forgiving God, in that we're harboring unforgiveness against people who've hurt us? So we're the grateful recipients of God's forgiveness. On one hand, we receive, we receive, we receive. And on the other hand, we're unforgiving, unforgiving, unforgiving. How many of us right here right now today are in that boat? And that's not anything new. The unforgiveness deal, it goes way, way, way back. As a matter of fact, in early Roman ruins, archaeologists have actually discovered 
countless numbers of ancient prayers from thousands of years ago. People would actually pay money to have these prayers written down, recorded on stone tablets, and then stored away for all the ages. And they call these things curse tablets. Curse tablets. Because the most common type of prayers recorded on them are, got any guesses? Curses. That's exactly right. And it went something like this. People would pray a prayer to a little g god, little g goddess, and say, this person hurt me, here's how they hurt me, I want payback, little g god, little g goddess, you get revenge. You exact revenge on them. I want you to hurt them, I want you to inflict pain on them, here's how I would like you to do that. I actually have a part of one of those prayers from an ancient curse tablet right here. This one was discovered in Rome. I assure you, I am not making this up. This is actually someone's prayer to one of the little G gods. It goes like this. I invoke you, holy angels and holy names. Tie up, block, strike, overthrow, harm, destroy, kill, and shatter a guy named Eucherios, the charioteer, and all of his horses tomorrow in the arena of Rome. Let the starting gate, it goes on. Let the starting gates not open properly. Let him not compete quickly. Let him not pass. Let him not make the turn properly. Let him not receive the honors. Let him not squeeze over and overpower. Let him not come from behind and pass, but instead let him collapse. Let him be bound, let him be broken up, and let him drag behind, both in the early races and in the later ones. The person who prayed that prayer added that last line, apparently, just in case the gods lost track of which race was being run, you know, got confused. Let him win a race or something. Early and later, please. May Eucherios' breath be bad. May his teeth not be dazzling white. That's not part of it. I made that part up. But the rest of it was absolutely true. So you see, this guy's praying in essence. Eucherios hurt me. Little G God, little G Goddess, you hurt him back. I hate him. That's the most common kind of prayer recorded on those tablets in the entire ancient world. People actually paid good money to have those written down and stored, preserved, so that we could, a couple thousand years later, make fun of them. Let me keep going. How many bless my enemy tablets do you think archaeologists have uncovered in the ancient world? You know, a tablet with a prayer on it that goes something like this. You curios hurt me so badly, would you please deliver me from my resentment? Would you help Eucherios find genuine repentance, forgive his sin and mine, heal our relationship? How many of those do you think they've found? You're right. Zero, zip, nada, the big goose egg. None. Not a single one. No one prayed prayers like that to Zeus, right? The gods were there to help you get what you wanted, and if you'd been hurt, offended, you just wanted to get even. You didn't want forgiveness. You want revenge. That's the ancient world. Now fast forward to more modern times. You all are very familiar with a guy named Bernard Lawrence Bernie Madoff, aren't you? He's the admitted operator of a Ponzi scheme that is literally considered to be the largest financial fraud in all of U.S. history. Largest ever. In March of 2009, Madoff pled guilty to 11 federal felonies. He admitted to turning his wealth management business into this giant Ponzi scheme that defrauded thousands of investors of billions of dollars. Billions. Madoff said he began the Ponzi scheme in the early 1990s. Federal investigators, though, believe the fraud began as early as the 1970s. Those charged with recovering the missing money, they believe the investment operation may have never been legit. The amount missing from client accounts, including fabricated gains, was almost $65 billion. The court-appointed trustee who was appointed to oversee that whole mess he said actual investment losses are somewhere in the neighborhood of $18 billion. In June of 2009, Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison. The maximum allowed. He'll die in prison. He's not leaving. December 10, 2008, Madoff's sons, both of them, they told authorities that their father had actually come to them and confessed that the asset management unit of his firm was a massive Ponzi scheme. They quoted their father as describing it as one big lie following day, very next day, FBI arrested Madoff. And just back a few months ago in October of 2011, Bernie Madoff's son, Andrew, he appeared in an interview on 60 Minutes with Morley Safer. 
and he offered these words about his father and about the circumstances. Listen carefully to these words. What he, what my father did to me and to my brother and to my family is unforgivable from his son. He goes on. What he did to thousands of other people, he destroyed their lives. I'll never understand it, Andrew said. And I'll never forgive him for it. I'll never speak to him again. And you see, it's into that kind of world, an ancient world where people were praying prayers, bitter, angry prayers of vengeance against their enemies, and in a more modern world in which sons pledge never to forgive their fathers, refusing even to speak to them as they live out the rest of their days in prison. It's into that kind of world that Jesus comes to turn it upside down and to say, it ought not be this way. This is not even close to what I intended that level of unforgiveness. And Jesus says, come on. And especially to we who call ourselves his followers, he says, come on. You, every single one of you, are on the hook to forgive. Every single one of you are on the hook to forgive. None of us, for any reason, gets a pass on this. And Jesus is keenly aware that anger and hurt and bitterness and resentment are huge forces in our world. And at the same time, he knows that he's absolutely crystal clear. And he says, you are to forgive. One day, the disciple Peter, he came to Jesus and he asked him, what am I supposed to do when people hurt me? How do I handle that? What do I do? We pick up the story in Matthew 18, 21. Here's Peter's words. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? I got people hurting me all the time. I'm trying to keep track of who I'm forgiving. So Jesus, would you just tell me? Is it seven? Seven seems like a good number. And Peter thinks by forgiving seven times, he thinks he's being quite generous. After all, it was the rabbinic teaching of the day that you had to forgive three whole times. That was the rabbinic teaching in the day of Christ, three times. There was a rabbi who was teaching, if someone hurts you once, twice, three times, you forgive them. By the fourth time, they do that thing again, you're done. You don't have to know more forgiveness. You're done. Off the hook. So Peter knows this. And so Peter's like, well, I'm a good Christ follower, so I'm going to be real generous. I'm going to double the rabbi's teacher. I'm going to add one more forgiveness session just for a cherry on top of the whole deal. How about seven? Jesus. And he's expecting when he says that to Christ, he's expecting he's going to get like high five. Yeah, Peter, you got this thing dialed in. Uh-uh. Matthew 18, 22. No, not seven times. Oh, Peter's heart sinks, right? Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. Now, Peter's stunned, taken entirely aback because he's thinking in terms of only justice and legality. What's just, what's legal? What's just, what's legal? And Jesus' reply, it isn't based anything near law and justice. It's based instead on what? This gospel of grace that Christ brought. Jesus says, forgive, watch this, without limit. Forgive without limit. He says, you Become a forgiveness machine. Become a forgiveness machine. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive. A forgiveness machine. Every single one of you. In the primary prayer that Jesus gave to us, we call it the Lord's Prayer, don't we? We hear these words, Matthew 6, 12. Buckle in here, okay? And you know how the prayer goes. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You're like, buckle in for what? Well, there's this one little tiny word in there that ought to make that verse real scary. And I mean scary. You know what that word is? As. A-S. Why? And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And that ought to get real scary because when you say those words, you're saying to God, God, would you please forgive me just like 
in the same way, just as I'm forgiving people who hurt me. God, you do for me what I'm doing for other people. Whoa. How's that going? And then just beyond the end of that prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes on. Now, this is the verse that we texted out to those of you who signed up to receive those verse nuggets, you know, all all throughout Lent. Every day we're going to be texting out a verse that's in the theme that we're going to be talking about the following weekend. So this is the verse that we texted out to you just yesterday. This is the shameless plug piece. If you haven't signed up for those texts yet, you can text the word JOURNEY to 41242. Journey 41242. You do that, and we'll, uh, people are reaching for phones all over the room. Whoa, that was effective. <laughs> Journey to 41242 will send you a verse every single day in the theme that we're going to be talking about the following weekend. This is yesterday's verse, Matthew 6:14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, Your Father will not, not forgive your sins. And that ought to really sober us. Really sober us. And I always think it's comedic when people ask, so what exactly does Jesus mean by that verse? Right? I know Michelle Oakland, our discipleship pastor around here, she gets that question all the time because she talks about forgiveness like every time she's talking to anybody. What does Jesus really mean? And just so you know, Michelle and I, we answer the exact same way. And it's like this. Jesus means that if you don't forgive others of their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Because we think Jesus is real good at saying exactly what he means. Doesn't need our help. And I know, I know, God knows that forgiving never means forgetting. Forgiving never means forgetting. Forgiving never means condoning. Forgiving never means excusing. Forgiving never means tolerating. Forgiving never means overlooking. Forgiving never means laying down and becoming a doormat. Never. Forgiving simply means that you choose again and again and again. You take the high road, the road called love, instead of the road, the low road called hate. The high road called love, not the low road called hate. And Jesus knows something else. That the high road, the love road, the road that is marked by forgiveness, he knows that it is probably very, very painful. He's well acquainted with that level of pain. And the love road, always and forever, is marked out and defined by forgiveness. It's who God is, it's his road, it's his way, and forgiveness is intrinsically woven into the road called love. And we all, every single one of us, we have hurts. We have hurts that defy explanation. Doggone it, they hurt us so badly, Brian, you have no idea. You're right, I don't. I don't. Your wound might have been inflicted by a parent. That defies description, doesn't it? Your wound might have been inflicted by a business partner who took advantage of you and looked you square in the eye the whole time. Maybe your wound was inflicted by a spouse who betrayed you inexplicably, cut you to the core, and you're standing there going, no, can't be. Not him, not her, not them, not that. Not. But it happened, didn't it? And get this, please. Please. The only hope that any 
of us has of becoming a forgiveness machine like Jesus is calling us to is to first receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ very, very personally. Before I can give it away, before I can forgive them for that and them for that and him for that and her for that, I must, at a soul level, experience the very forgiveness of God himself. Only after, only after we've experienced his forgiveness can we give that same level of forgiveness away to all those people who've damaged us. Check this out. Oh, hey, Kat. Jesus! It's been a long time. Yeah, I didn't expect to see you here. Yeah, I can, I can tell. Oh, yeah, you can smell that? It's kind of hard not to. Didn't know it smelled so bad. It, uh, pretty much reeks. Oh, jeez. This is embarrassing. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but maybe you can help me understand why you're carrying that around. Well, it's my trash. Who else is going to carry it? Well, how about me? Oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't do that. Why not? It's just not polite. I mean, this is my trash. I should be the one to carry it. But this is one of my jobs. No. Yeah, I, I take people's trash. It's kind of what I do. Like some holy cosmic garbage collector? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, well, what if I clean it up a bit first? Then I'll give it to you. Why would you want to do that? Well, I don't want you to smell it. Too late. Or see it. You know I have x-ray vision, right? I mean, I don't want you to see it up close. All that slime and gunk, it's disgusting. I'm pretty used to it. But it just doesn't feel right, giving all of this to you and making you carry it. Well, it does look pretty heavy. Boy, is it ever. So why not let me take it? Here's an idea. Maybe you could just share the load a little bit, like we could carry it together. Is that what you want? Yeah, I mean, if that's okay with you. Sure, okay, um, where do you want me? Okay, you can take that part there. Okay. And, uh, oh, Careful, careful, you got it? I think so. All right. Want to try walking now? Yeah, if you want to. Okay. Uh, what do you, what do you think? It's not so bad. Really? Like, like, you don't think maybe this just isn't working? Oh, it's slipping. Cat, why don't you, like, go and, and just let me take it? But what if it spills? You can trust me with it. I guess I could, if you think. Cat, I got it. I promise. How does that feel? Weird. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah, just loosen it up a bit. Wow, check it out. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever moved like this it's before. It's the lack of trash. It's the craziest feeling I've ever had. It's almost like... Uh-oh. Like something's missing. Nah, Kat, you're just not used to feeling so free. Okay. Okay, okay, it's just... What you doing there, Kat? I just need this one thing, okay? I, uh, I really wish you wouldn't, Kat. Just this one thing. I mean, I think I made a mistake before. Because, come on, does this look like trash? Yeah. It's pretty. That's ugly. And it's special. Kat, it's dripping. But it's mine, and I want to keep it. I need to remind myself not to make more trash, right? I mean, that sounds reasonable. Nah, it sounds to me like you're rationalizing. But Jesus, I don't know how to live without this. It's okay. I'll teach you. But how? Do you trust me? I'm, I'm not going to make you, Kat. You're not? No, but, but I will help you if you let me. Really? Kat, I've always been here to help you, but, but so often you just turn away. I avoid you sometimes. You don't say 
I just, I don't want you to have to get too close. Cat, I want to be close. Oh. Well, that's nice. <laughs> so what do you say you put that down and we walk out of here together? But my trash. It's right where it's supposed to be. Right. Okay. 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 I'm leaving it here. Whoa. What's that smell? Oh, you mean that sweet aroma of freedom? Does it always smell that good? Oh, Kat, that's nothing. Wait till you taste it. Really? Yeah. What's it taste like? Well, like if you mix like milk and honey together and then taste that, it's like that. You and I becoming forgiveness machines offering the forgiveness of Jesus Christ himself begins at the foot of the cross with us leaving our trash bags of stuff with him. We weren't made to carry it. God didn't design us to carry it. He invites and he calls and he challenges every single one of us every single day. Just leave it. Let me take it. Jesus says, I died to free you up from all that. And our ability to forgive hinges on us being forgiven. And once we are forgiven by God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, this incredibly powerful thing happens inside of us. Jesus sketches it out for us in what's called the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew chapter 18. As the story goes, there's a king, and people owe this king incredible debts. A man who owed 10,000 talents was brought before that king. And all the words that Jesus uses in this parable to describe the debt demonstrate the enormity that it carried. You figure that debt out in today's values, 10,000 talents of gold. His debt is in excess of $15 billion, an astounding sum. This servant owes the king in excess of $15 billion. Of course, the guy, he's a servant. He can't pay up. And so the king commands that the servant, his wife, his children, everything he owned be sold off to cover like a tiny sliver of that debt. It wouldn't even be like a down payment on $15 billion, all the money that all that selling brought, not even a down payment. The king orders that. The man falls down before the king. Please, please have patience on me. I'll pay back every single penny. The king knows that that guy's lying Because there's no way that he could ever, ever, ever pay that kind of debt back. It was impossible. Everybody knew it. But Jesus tells us that the king was moved with great compassion. And he released the man. He forgave him his entire in excess of $15 billion debt. And all of a sudden, that guy's free. He owed absolutely nothing. All because of the king's incredible mercy. Only because of the king's incredible mercy. He's forgiven that debt. They're like, wow. What an amazing, amazing story. Cool, but it's not over yet. Not very long at all after that forgiving, releasing incident. The man who had been forgiven so much, he went out looking for a fellow servant who owed him right about $10,000. Just 10 grand. It's like pocket change, right? He finds the guy who owes him 10 grand. He grabs him, and what's he do? The Bible says he chokes him. He puts his hand around his neck and demands his money. Of course, this servant, he falls down. He begs for patience. But the guy who had been forgiven $15 billion, he's not moved by any kind of compassion. His heart, it hadn't been changed in any way by his master's mercy demonstrated to him. He showed no mercy. He threw the guy in prison. You'll stay there until your debt's been fully paid. News traveled back to the king about that guy's cruel behavior. Matthew 18, 32, we see how that goes. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. 
I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus finishes it. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. True story. Real deal. You see, the key to us being forgiveness machines, living our lives in a posture of limitless forgiveness, is to remember that you and I, we have a bigger sin debt before God than anybody, and I mean anybody, has before us. No matter how bad they hurt you, no matter how deep the wound, the scar, the damage, the pain, our sin debt before God is infinitely larger than anybody else's sin debt before you. And see, it gets really, really hard to grab anyone else's throat and squeeze our unforgiveness out on them when we live and when we walk with that keen awareness of every single thing that we have been forgiven for. Every single thing that's in our trash bag, our trash bags. And so church, we gotta practice, 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 practice being forgiveness machines. All the time, forgiveness machines. Because forgiven people, they live at the foot of the cross and they think about every single day, everything they've been forgiven of and then they just give that same kind of forgiveness away. When people sin against you, what do you do? You just forgive them. You just forgive them. And you forgive them, watch this, whether they ask for it or not. They do not have to ask for forgiveness from you in order for you to forgive them. Honestly, a whole bunch of the time, I forgive people who never, ever come to me and ask for forgiveness. The Lord and I, we just go off, we do business around it, it's done. It's in the rearview mirror, I'm done. They don't even have to know. Me and God, we just take care of it. You can do the exact same thing. What happens if you wrong someone? And that happens, doesn't it? All right, you wrong people. You're sitting there like, no, I don't wrong people. Right? You wrong people. I wrong people. What do you do? You go. And you repent. You ask for their forgiveness. You say, I, I blew it. Please forgive me. The breakwater of the forgiveness deal, you know where it really is, folks? It's in your house. You must, we must practice forgiveness in the home. Husbands, forgive your wives. Wives, forgive your husbands. Some of you, today, you gotta go off, just you and your spouse, and you gotta have a forgiveness conversation, don't you? The breakwater of forgiveness is in your house. Parents, we blow it with our kids, and so we got to go to our kids. And it's a real humbling thing. I do it all the time and say, geez, I blew it there. Please forgive me. I don't ever want that to happen again, and so help me with that. We got to do that, parents. And kids, you blow it, don't you? You got to come to mom and dad, and that's a hard deal too, isn't it? And you got to go, hey, mom, dad, I, I messed up. Will you please, for, and use those words. Don't just say, I'm sorry. That can be part of the conversation, but use the F word, forgiveness. <laughs> use, use the forgiveness word. Use the forgiveness word. I'm absolutely convinced that part of the reason that so many quote-unquote Christian couples divorce is because they're not practicing forgiveness. They're just not doing it. And when we don't do it, Hearts get hard and scabbed over and calloused and then bitterness sets in and then marriages end and then kids, they get all screwed up. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. It starts at home. It starts at home. And forgiveness equals healthy families. And men, dads, husbands, leaders of your household, this starts with us. 
we set the tone for the forgiveness deal. Don't take a reed off your wife and follow her. No, this is you, men. You set the forgiveness tone in your household. Everyone else is going to follow your lead. And if you're humbly leading out in forgiveness with forgiveness, it's going to be a beautiful thing because the rest of your family is just going to follow you. Men, you lead out on the forgiveness deal just like God led out with us on the forgiveness deal. At work, man, work is a mess, isn't it? You got all kinds of catty relationships in the office and backbiting and infighting and inner office politics and blah. Don't get bitter. Don't get bitter toward your boss. Don't get bitter toward your colleagues. Don't keep score of how often and who offended you and wronged you and dumped on. Just forget. Keep very short accounts. Have conversations when needed and forgive. Forgive. Lead out always with forgiveness. Please, please, please forgive in the life of our church. Please. Without a doubt, somebody, might be me, might be somebody else, might be somebody you're sitting next to, they're going to offend you. I'm going to say something that hurts you, wounds you. Somebody else is going to say something. Go, go, make it right. Grant forgiveness. Take care of the issue. If you forgive someone, if you offend someone, go to the person and ask them for forgiveness. Leaving a church because of being offended, that isn't forgiveness and it's not redemptive. And it ought not be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Forgive. And then this next one's real hard to swallow. Forgive your enemies. You know who they are, don't you? Oh yeah, them. Take Jesus' words from Matthew 5, like take them right to heart. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And you take that up, you take that up today. You take it up right now and you start doing it and you'll be amazed. It's almost impossible to harbor unforgiveness. It's almost impossible to harbor hate and bitterness against people who you're praying for every single day. Try it. I dare you. We're all on the hook for forgiveness. None of us gets a pass. And Jesus says, come on, church. Come on, followers. Become a forgiveness machine. Become a forgiveness machine. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? And I just invite you to get in a posture of prayer with God, if you would. Just interact with him around the forgiveness deal, please. every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to do something real bold right now. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to right where you are, stand to your feet. If you know you got some people in your life who you've got to get about forgiving, just stand up right now, right where you are. I've got somebody in my life who I need to take the fingers off of the throat of, and I just got to practice forgiveness with. Just stand up. Nobody's looking around. Just stand up. Be bold. Declare it. You know, I got someone who I got to forgive. There's people standing up all over this room. God, thank you so much for the boldness of these people who are standing to their feet, acknowledging before you and others that they got forgiveness work to do. God, I pray that you would loosen the grip that we have around people's necks right now. That your forgiveness would sweep in and sweep across our hearts and our lives with such powerful effect. 
that you compel us to go and have that conversation, to go and make that phone call. To sit across the coffee shop table from that person or those people, them, and to get it right and grant forgiveness and seek forgiveness and bring reconciliation and bring repair. God, I have no doubt that there's some people who are standing up right now who need to have a forgiveness conversation around somebody who isn't even alive anymore. They're long gone, but the scars and the wounds and the damage and the pain, they're very, very present. And Jesus, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would enable us to have whatever conversation with you, with people that we need to have. And that God, the reconciliation that comes, that it wouldn't just be a fake, polite thing, but that it would be real and genuine and restorative and redemptive. God, and I pray for these people who are standing and maybe even some who aren't, that you would not let this forgiveness conversation shake out of their heart and mind until it's happened. We're going to do it today. We're going to do it tomorrow. We're not going to put it off until then, then, then. We're going to do it now, God. We're going to do it as soon as possible. We're going to go out those doors and we're going to do it. We're going to do it soon. Because we want to be square, God. We want to be square with people. And most of all, God, we want to be square with you. And that's where this starts. Help us be square and live square with you and with everybody else as much as it's up to us, please, God. Go. Go with every single person who's standing. May the power of your Holy Spirit sweep in and change us. Bring your forgiveness, please, God, as only you can. I invite you to take a seat, if you would, please. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to say to you who stood, I'm so proud of you. That is huge. You talk about a right out of the Lent assignment. There it is, front and center. You know what you got to do, so just get about it. Just get about it. And maybe there's some of you, you have forgiveness work to do with people because you've never, ever put down your garbage bag. You've never, ever stepped into the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to bring to your heart and life. And here's the deal. No matter how full your trash bag is, no matter how many trash bags you have, no matter how big it is, no matter how bad it is, no matter how broken you are, today's your day to stop running from God. Today's your day to quit rebelling against him. Today's your day to give your whole heart, your whole life, your everything to him. It's your day to come home right here, right now, today. And God's longing to sweep his forgiveness deal right across your life, right here, right now, today. By the shed blood of his son, Jesus. And if that's the desire of your heart, you can walk out that transaction through a simple prayer. It's a prayer that goes like this. You can pray it right with me right now, right where you're sitting. God, thank you. I know how desperately I need you. I've been trying to earn my way, claw my way, buy my way to you, God. I need you. And I thank you, God, with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength for your son, Jesus came, who took my place, who set me free, who took my trash bags and brought forgiveness. And so here I am, my heart, my everything, and I ask you, Jesus, by the power of your shed blood to wash me and make me clean. I'm yours. I love you, God. And if you're stepping into the life and the faith and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ today, that's the biggest decision of your whole life. Nothing carries more weight. 
it's such a big deal, I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that decision with me right here, right now, today. Nobody's looking around this room. It's you, me, and God right now. If you prayed with me just then to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, would you just boldly slip your hand up and lock eyes with me and just say yes? Right now, just slip your hand up and say yeah. Right here, right here, right there, right there. Absolutely in there. And here, absolutely. Keep them up, would you please? Just keep them up. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. Yeah, absolutely right here. Yes. The forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of Christ is sweeping across your life right here. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I see you. I see you. Absolutely. Yes, right. Yes. Here, both of you. Right now. Jesus is making you new. He's changing you. Forgiveness, trash bags gone. Yes. In the back, absolutely. Both of you, I see you. Absolutely. Yes. And in the way back there, yes, yes. And there, yes. God, for these who are stepping in there, yes. God, for these experiencing your life and your forgiveness for the first time, God, would you come on them in such immense power that we just can't explain it. God, that you would scoop them up, that you would draw them into yourself and hold them in such a way that they know you're there. And in the back, yes, right there. I see you, absolutely. And God, would you breathe your life you breathe your full measure of forgiveness into them, that they would feel tangibly forgiven. All the stuff that it would be left behind right here today. Yet they go out those doors changed and new because of you. That John 10, 10 full life would be theirs. Oh God, you are our God. We praise you with our entire lives, our entire beings. Oh God, that we would be forgiveness machines. Doling out your forgiveness to every single person who needs it, whether they ask or not. We're forgiving and we're forgiving and we're forgiving because it's who you are. It's who you are inside of us. It's who you're making us into. band's going to lead 